welcome to the very first episode of Twilight Phase. <laughs> Twilight Phase is a podcast about, you guessed it, the Twilight Saga, years after it came out originally. Like so, ten? Ten? Many years. More. Oh. <laughs> so why are we doing this this year? Yeah, it's been so long. Uh, lots of reasons. One, we're currently going through a Twilight Renaissance. Don't know if you noticed. It's happening. We did. Yes. Uh, According to Teen Vogue, specifically. (laughs) And two, we all work together. We're in publishing. We work on young adult books. And we just found ourselves talking about Twilight a lot. We talked about it one day at lunch. And then the next day, (laughs) we brought it up again. (laughs) Many lunches. And I was like, you know, I probably have hours of opinions about this and then Maya said we should make a podcast then and I was like I do have that many opinions still all these years later and there's no no better way to get it all out than to share it with all of you right because we all had a twilight phase right yeah every single one of us even if you like even the people who invested a lot of time in hating twilight that that was it that was your twilight phase it was an accident but you did it and we love those people and we love the people that just loved twilight and we love the people that love twilight and then about a year and a half later we're like i hate twilight which i think is about where we were right like what's your what's your twilight story i took the books to college with me uh, so I definitely never turned on it. <laughs> My college roommate messaged me recently, and I told her I was doing this podcast, and she said, yeah, you were pretty shameless about it. <laughs> so, it's beautiful. I got Thank really you. into it. I had some friends who were really into it and wanted me to come to a midnight book release, and so I had to catch up. So I caught up and got really into it. I can't remember. I don't know if All it right. was the second one or the So you came one. in the middle. I did. I, w- I was not OG. Okay. If only. <laughs> um, well, I I was OG. I remember I picked up this book because it was on an October book list when it first came out. And I was like, oh, it's October. I should read something kind of spooky. And this book's about vampires. <laughs> <laughs> the least spooky vampires of all time. For sure. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so, yeah, I read it and uh, basically it changed my life uh, because I became hardcore obsessed. Twy hard. Twy hard, yes. Yeah. Uh, for a couple of years. And then I was one of those people that did a 180 and <laughs> loathed it entirely. The most important thing that I'm getting out of this is the quote, Twilight changed my life. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. literally. <laughs> I am who I am today because of Twilight. Explains a lot. Explains <laughs> a lot. Can we pause? So, if you are reading along, which we hope you will do, what should you expect from this podcast? We're not going to go chapter by chapter. We're instead going to go section by section. So, this first chapter, we just did chapter one. So, if you want to go back and reread before you listen to the rest of this, please do. Um, But if you don't finish things you start, then just keep listening, please. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, we'll be rereading, but we're also talking generally about our feelings about Twilight and the general phenomenon. Uh, so we will likely spoil things from later, even though we're doing a reread. Why the fuck are you listening to this if things are going to be spoiled? Or, I mean, you could also be listening if you just don't want to read them and just want to hear us 
talk about them, maybe. Yeah, we'll tell you what happens. We'll just tell you what happens. Jacob falls in love with the baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's upsetting. We'll talk about it later. (laughs) So that's what happens. Okay, I think first, before we dive into the text, we should talk about this book as an object. We all work in publishing. I feel like that has changed the way that I look at books. And so looking back at this now, I am so much more aware of like how well done the outside of the book is. The package. Like obviously this cover became so iconic. Oh my God. It's amazing. It's just a photo. Yeah, it's a strong central image, which means that when it shrunk down on Amazon and all you can see is just like a white V with a red spot in the middle, you immediately know that it's Twilight. Hugely recognizable. And yet has nothing to do with like vampires in particular. It's just like mysterious and forbidden. It's just hugely compelling. Yeah. (laughs) Like, clearly we all have our gripes with Twilight, but I think that... As a society, we got to a point where all we did was make fun of every part of Twilight without acknowledging all the things that, like, made it compelling and popular. Yes. And the book looks amazing. Yes. And I think that's what we, part of what we want to talk about in general also, that we were people who have both loved this book and have recognized so many of its flaws. And so many people, when talking about its flaws, just reject anything right? that's like compelling whether... about this book. But, like, billions, bajillions of people loved this. <laughs> the correct number is bajillion. Thank you. <laughs> right, but, like, whether you liked it or loved it or hated it, it had a huge impact on just, like, YA yeah. in general. Yeah. And, like, the look of YA books, while we're talking about the way that it looks, right. like, for years later, every book just looked like this. Just had a black cover with, like, an object on it. Yeah. <laughs> they looked great. <laughs> yeah. I picked up every single line. Also, this font. I was just about to say, the font is so good. It's like, it's it's meaningless. That weird tall L, (laughs) what's that about? It's a vampire fang. I guess, but like, you can read that. That's supposed to be a fang. You can read it into it later, but just looking at it. Okay, but you know that it's about vampires. At best, that's a knife. Either way. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It conveys death. It's like a little bit dangerous, but also still swooshy. Swooshy? Also. You know, it's like both dangerous and seductive. If you open up to the title page, there's like this light background printing of just like the woods. Yes. It's gorgeous. No other book is doing that. And I also think it's significant. This book has been around for so long now and... The package has never changed. They have not redone this cover. This cover they has not to. been redone. The interiors like look the same. The we fonts are all the same. We change covers before we even print them. Like that's impressive. Yeah, that it lasted this long. I would like to let our our listeners behind the scenes a little bit and confess to them that this is the second time that we are recording this first episode. <laughs> Because we, we messed it up. Minor technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we recorded a whole hour-long podcast, uh, scrapped it, doing it over. But the first time around, we <laughs> erroneously belabored the point that the copy had significantly changed from the hardcover to the paperback. Right. And we said that the hardcover, the original book, 
didn't mention anywhere that he was a vampire, so it was actually a mystery. And we went in-depth talking about how reading this as a mystery would change it. Uh, correction. <laughs> I went back to my Ohio home, found my OG copy of Twilight that I picked up at the bookstore October when it was published, and it says literally on it, he's a vampire. On the back cover. On the back cover. So we've scrapped the original summary description yes. of the story and whittled down simply to what yes. was originally on the back of the cover, which is the three things that we all know. Absolutely and love. Let's positive. Read it. Let's read it. Okay. I'll do I'll do these two. Olivia, you're second. Melissa, I'm third. You're third. Okay, so this is the copy that made me and millions of other people pick up this book. About three things, I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how dominant that part might be, (laughs) that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. I think it's irrevocably. I know. I said it. As I said it, I knew it was wrong. (laughs) That makes it better. Irrevocably. (laughs) This copy is so good. And then right below that are just the scores of accolades, a New York Times editor's choice, an Amazon best book of the decade, Teen People Hot List, Publishers Weekly best book of the year, two starred reviews, one from Publishers Weekly and one from School Library Journal. Just this book that everyone listening has for sure made fun of at some point is highly critically acclaimed (laughs) and we're going to talk about whether it deserves that or not and i Uh, think it's important to go into it with yes being one of the possibilities (laughs) exactly exactly we wouldn't be here if we weren't sure yes so that's the book as an object the cover is compelling the font is for some reason just amazing (laughs) killer (laughs) okay we have this very compact table of contents and then we come to the epigraph which i really want to talk about uh if you don't remember here's what it is but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die genesis 217 so here we have this setup of danger first of all but also sets us within this like very Christian biblical, con- biblical context yeah. of what kind of danger it is, which just I don't know it like ropes you into like the atmosphere of where this book like, is coming. This from. goes deep. <laughs> it this really isn't just is a romance. <laughs> a great start, and this is so. When I did my reread, I took this note, which I find hilarious. Immediately, I'm struck by this because I'm reading it as a caution to the reader. The cover image is the fruit of the tree. If you read this book, you will die. <laughs> right. End of my note. Which sets up really high stakes, which I felt like, even originally, I think I felt like it doesn't necessarily live up to the stakes that it sets out for itself. Is um, question that has just popped into my mind. Is Stephanie Meyer saying that this book is a sin? <laughs> or is she saying that Edward is a sin? And if Ed, well, if Edward is a sin and she ends up with him, then the whole the, the whole thing is, is sinful. sinful. But I do think, like, I will contend that part of the reason why this book gets so dumb at the end, I'm gonna, <laughs> say it. I'm gonna say it, it gets dumb, and I think that a lot of that is because it is within this Christian context, 
and it sets up these weird rules for the characters, and it just makes it worse. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> What's been a true joy of this project for me is rereading and talking to Olivia and her <laughs> just finding every single religious symbol. Oh my god, the there's so many. Book. Okay, so we're going to talk about we can move into, you know, first chapter. Yeah. I tell us wait, about the, the prophets. What about the prophets? Oh, we can't skip yeah, the prophets. Okay. Skip the prophets. So, okay. So what we're going to do is just give you a recap of the preface and the first chapter. Okay. So the preface, we are immediately thrown in to some kind of dire consequence action. We don't know anything about it. People gonna die. But we know that the main character is in mortal danger. That's all you get from the preface. First it's sentence. Half a page. Chapter one, our dear Bella lands in Washington, uh, complains about the weather. Because she is from Phoenix. It's too green. It's too wet. She talks about it a whole hell of a lot. Uh, she talks about the sacrifice that she has made to exile herself to Forks, even though we don't know why yet. She made a uh, choice. She goes into her dad's boring house. She receives a truck. And then she attends school for the first day. And by the end of chapter one, we have already witnessed the Cullens in... The cafeteria and heard a little bit of mysterious background about them and we have the infamous uh biology sitting next to each other in biology high drawn <laughs> and that's chapter one that's all that happens uh for anyone that for whatever reason doesn't know about the cullens if you've never read twilight what you really need to know to enjoy the rest of this is uh there are two couples there's rosalie and emmett and they are masquerading to the the world as step siblings, no, um, as adopted but, siblings. Oh, sorry, correct, as adopted siblings, and yet they're also out as a couple, um, and it's the exact same situation with uh, Alice, Alice and, and Jasper, Jasper. Uh, and they don't they don't blend in. They are vampires trying to blend in. And then there's conveniently an extra handsome single one. (laughs) His name's Edward. (laughs) Who has red hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is a real point of pride for me because Edward and I have the exact same hair color and Bella really loves to double down on just how great his hair color is. It's like a bronzy red. I, I um, do want to talk about how literally 10 years later, I've only just now realized that Edward is red-headed. That's, that feels impossible to me <laughs> that you're just now learning this information. I thought it was brown. I don't it's, know. She mentions it every other page. But she always uses bronze. She never says... She never says red. Red. It's not like an Ed Sheeran red, it's like a my red. Not like a Ron? Yeah, it's Ron not like Weasley. a Ron. It's like a beautiful my I just red. took bronze to mean, like, brown but really nice. Brown but shiny. <laughs> <laughs> it's red. It's the same color as mine. And I love my red hair. It's my favorite thing about myself besides my freckles. Either way, FYI, Edward has red hair. <laughs> if you didn't know, I don't know how you didn't know. <laughs> Okay, so that's the plot of the first section. Let's dive in. Let's just start talking about Did it. Did we want to talk about the preface? Oh. I think the preface is perfect. 
Oh, agreed. As far as purposes go. I kind of hate it, <laughs> but only in retrospect. In retrospect. Like, as a first read, it's intriguing. And then by the time you get to the end of the book, I think it's one of those weird prefaces where, like, the whole thing happens again. Right. But it's a section from later. differently, and so it's right. just kind of like this plucked out thing. I would be extremely curious to know whether uh, Stephanie originally wrote this preface, or if this is something that an editor or, you know, another reader at some point suggested, because... Like, to hint at what comes later. Because it is such a slow burn, the whole thing. It's true. There's no danger until the last quarter of the book. Right, which I think (laughs) is why this preface exists. I think that's fair to say. Like, to let you know... By the way. By the way, (laughs) you're gonna have to wait for it, but there will be mortal danger later. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I want to argue that in retrospect, and originally, the preface is amazing. (laughs) Uh, It's a good line. Yeah, it's a great opening line, which we're going to discuss later, uh, because I have plans for that line. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's just one, it's less than one page, it's about half a page long, uh, it's just, I don't know, and we judge the writing of Twilight a lot, but this preface is well written. Yeah, there's a lot of sentences that really strike you. Yeah. Okay, so the first chapter. First sight. What really stood out to me rereading this is that we always make fun of Bella for not having a personality, but I actually like her, and I do think she has a personality. I think she's funny. I liked her a lot more when I was the age that she's supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. Now I find her extremely annoying, (laughs) as I find my own younger self to be extremely (laughs) annoying. (laughs) I, I don't know, like... Uh, bottom of page five for anyone <laughs> trying to check. Uh, she says nothing slows down traffic like a cop, and I was like, that's relatable. <laughs> um, <laughs> she really like just is obsessed with the idea that there's only one bathroom in the house, and she's like so upset. And I'm like, that's also only two people. I I find her a little insufferable. Yes. She, she complains about the damn weather so much. And I started, she did this to herself. I started, like, circling times when she mentions the rain. It's, like, a million. Obviously, it's the writing also. But uh, she also, yeah, she, like, did took this upon herself. And so it's very, I, like... But you can't complain. <laughs> I don't know, though. Because it's true that nobody made her do this. But if... You were living in a house with your mom, and your new stepdad, who your mom is, like, obsessed with, is traveling all the time, and she clearly desperately wants to be with him. Wouldn't you kind of feel like you were the thing holding her back, and it's just one year, and you're like, what the heck, I'm gonna go live with my dad, and then, like, yeah, you're 17, you want to complain. Everything's No! (laughs) As a child that came from a multiple divorcee family with multiple step-parents, I can say that not once was I ever like, let me just take myself out of their lives so that they can be happy. No, I was self-centered. Maybe Bella's better than you. (laughs) I'm just saying that... That's why you don't like her. (laughs) Maybe. But either way, it's unrealistic. I agree that it's unrealistic, but if you put herself in those shoes, in her shoes... If you put yourself in I her shoes. I was in her shoes. <laughs> if 
can you put yourself into a better place? And then no, I don't think shoes. it is better. I think it's like a really like the kind of like self pitying kind of self sacrifice. Oh, yeah. Like her mother, you know, she could have made it work in Phoenix, but she decided right. to quote unquote exile herself, and it just feels like she kind wanted of people to feel bad for her. The one thing I will say that she is relatable. She's hugely relatable. And I reject the idea that she <laughs> wanted people to feel bad for her because she complains inwardly. Right. And then she, she does sigh a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. But I, she is funny. There's that, that line where someone yeah. is like, you're from Phoenix. Why aren't you tan? And she's like, my mother is part albino. Yeah, yeah. Like the just, joke doesn't land. Yeah, no <laughs> But like that's it's like a pretty good it's joke. A terrible. It's, joke. Yeah, it's a fine joke. <laughs> like she has a sense of humor, and she's portrayed as just this like blank slate of nothingness when she's not. She ha- no, she she's is not. A, she has a person. Okay. I think she's a really interesting mix between like being. She in some ways she's a little bit of a blank slate. Like she's just kind of like generic relatable girl. Which usually doesn't work. Like, usually that's not actually that interesting. Like, a character needs a lot more, like... They need more likes and dislikes and... Yeah. <laughs> but can I just... I'm just I just want to read a sentence that really annoyed me. Only because at her age, I found these people extremely annoying. Okay. I kept my eyes down on the reading list the teacher had given me. It was fairly basic. Bronte, Chaucer, <laughs> Faulkner... <laughs> I'd already read everything. That was comforting and boring. Yeah, I, I was, just want to strangle her. I was struck on a reread by how little she even tries to be interested in anything happening around her. <laughs> like, before she even arrives, she has decided, like, she's too good for school. She already knows everything. All of the people are annoying. <laughs> I like the line where she's like, I wondered if it would be cheating to reuse my old essays. And it's like, yes, that is cheating. (laughs) Okay. Why are you wondering? (laughs) But I'll counter with something that I think I really related to, which was sometimes I wondered if I was seeing the same things through my eyes that the rest of the world was seeing through theirs. Maybe there was a glitch in my brain. Like that feeling of being a teenager and feeling like the only person who feels this very particular way. You're the only person who's a weirdo. I also underlined that line. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And I wrote in, this is why she picks Edward. (laughs) Edward is also the one that like between Edward and Jacob, he's the one that feels like he's always like out of step with the people around him. But like Jacob is popular. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I also highlighted that sentence. Wow. Below that, I have a sentence that I'll read later, but I just wrote next to it, bad. (laughs) (laughs) And on the previous page, on page 10, there is a really egregious mirror cliche. Oh, looking at herself in the mirror. Stephanie Meyer has to tell us what she looks like, and there is no other way to do that (laughs) for her to look in the mirror. Uh, It wasn't just physically that I'd never fit in. You're you're just a normal looking girl. Yeah. You have brown hair and pale skin. That's what you told us. And you're like, <laughs> physically, I'm a freak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to to her own point, she used to live in Phoenix, so maybe there were tanner people in Phoenix. That's true. Maybe she does have 
like a warped view of her self-image because she's surrounded. It'd be like the trip that I took to LA where (laughs) I got there and felt normal about myself and within 45 minutes thought I was a troll. (laughs) Um, The other thing that I think this chapter does really well is setting up mystery and tension. Uh, Because, so obviously Bella doesn't know anything about vampires yet and she doesn't know that's what is happening but oh, even if know. even if you but even if you do already know she sets up mystery beyond just vampire like it's not obvious vampire clues it's like right. he gets really mad when he sits next to her like that's not a right particularly you're still like what's going on like why is he so mad and it Who was this clearly kid? about her so right. like it's as a reader you can't write it off like okay he's having a bad day get over yourself it's like, she sits down, he looks at her, and is repulsed. Right. And then tries to transfer out of biology. So it's like, oh, he's already singled her out. Like, already is intrigued particularly by her. I really, I want to explore just how little they manage to blend in with the <laughs> other kids. <laughs> like, Emmett and Jasper and Rosalie are all... Like, very clearly in their 20s, visually. (laughs) Like, they don't look like high school students. And they've been living in this town for a couple of years now. So, like, Emmett was, like, 21, let's say, pretending to be 15. And he's the size of, like, a Jeep. (laughs) And none of them have aged or changed whatsoever in this time. They all sit at their lunch table with food in front of them but that don't they don't eat. touch. <laughs> Makes no sense. I also want to point out that there's a description of them. They're all chalky pale. Quote unquote. Chalky pale. They all had very dark eyes with dark shadows under those eyes. Purplish, bruise-like shadows. As if they were all suffering from a sleepless night or almost done recovering from a broken nose and then are immediately described as inhumanly beautiful. (laughs) They all look like they have broken noses. They both look dead and beautiful. Obviously, they're vampires. (laughs) That was my favorite sentence. (laughs) You read my favorite sentence. I circled the word inhumanly. Yes. Okay, okay, and then one paragraph down, Bella watches as the small girl, this is Alice, gets up with her tray, unopened soda, unbitten apple, and just, like, throws it away. So wasteful. That's so wasteful. Why can't they just, like, pretend to eat? Mash it up a bit. Why don't they just go to the library instead of even going to the cafeteria? Yeah, why don't they eat off campus? (laughs) Exactly. not allowed. I I don't know. They they kind of get whatever they want. Yeah, they do. (laughs) I just flipped two pages and found my note where I wrote about how Edward and I have the same hair color. Oh, it's God. the top of 23, if you want to visit that. <laughs> where it says he has unusual hair. Yeah. Do you guys want to move on to best sentence, worst sentence? I do. Okay. Yes. So, this is possibly going to be my favorite segment, which is where, for each section, we talk about the best writing in the book and the worst writing in the book. So, if it's okay, I'm going to go first, because I just found my favorite sentence. Go ahead. Now, when I read this, you might think that this is bad writing, but I think that despite (laughs) Stephanie's best intentions, it is indeed good writing. (laughs) So, what's going on is Bella is in gym class, 
Um, it's just ended, and Bella's chatting with Mike, who she's super mean about. Uh, she, like, describes him as a dog constantly, and it's like, okay, he's just being nice to you. <laughs> he's a weird guy. Mike lingered by me instead of heading to the dressing room. If I were lucky enough to sit by you, I would have talked to you. Now, is it Stephanie Meyer that doesn't know the phrase locker room? <laughs> In a gym? Or is it Bella? I choose to believe that it's it Bella. is Bella. It's Bella. And describing a locker room as a dressing room tells us so much <laughs> about this character. <laughs> it's excellent writing. Who else has a best sentence? <laughs> um, I actually already made fun of what I decided was my best sentence. <laughs> uh, which is, I stared because their faces so different. So similar. We're all devastatingly, inhumanly beautiful. Yeah, that's not not great. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I think, think that's, that's the best one. Oh, yep. I got confused for a minute. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the problem with this book. Like, anything right. that you pull out of it, you can simultaneously pan and explain why it's good. Like, literally everything. Like, I think this just immediately, like, inhumanly, you circled inhumanly because it it, like, invokes where we're going with this, but Bella doesn't know yet, and she's just like, wow, they're so beautiful, they're inhuman. But you don't know. It's, like, mysterious, it's intriguing. Fair enough. It's both. Do you want to know my worst sentence? Yes. Or do you want Melissa's? Let's do Melissa's. Melissa's my best sentence. My favorite sentence is uh, this line where Bella says, I can do this. I lied to myself feebly. No one was going to bite me. Oh. <laughs> they're just like cute see what you're doing there Stephanie <laughs> I see it and I don't like it <laughs> uh, before we move to worst sentences I want to return to the preface because originally this was going to be my best sentence uh, and previously I said we would talk about it and then I used something else as my best sentence so now we should talk about it <laughs> the first line of the preface is I'd never given much thought to how I would die Though I'd had reason enough in the last few months. But even if I had, I would not have imagined it like this. That is a great way to start a book. It's an amazing opening line. And you just start imagining death. Yeah. I mean, you start (laughs) imagining what's happening. What happened in the last few months? Yeah. And where is she now? It's a great opening. You don't know either. Right? She didn't even imagine that this was how she was going to die. And she imagined it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Melissa, what is... Your worst sentence. Uh, my worst sentence is where Bella is describing uh, forks to us for the first time, and she just says, even the air filtered down greenly. <laughs> it's so close. <laughs> it's, like, really close to being good. Right. Like, I see, what, I see where you're going, but, like... Greenly. Greenly. Mm. Not a word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine is, uh, we're back to Mike. She's has this throwaway line about Mike. He was the nicest person I've met today. Which I think is cruel and unusual yep. to Jessica, who's been perfectly nice. Who we haven't mentioned yet. But yeah. Jessica's actually more than perfectly really nice. nice. She's really inviting. She's actively friendly. And right. Bella just immediately writes her off. And I think that Bella has like a, a history through this whole series of writing off other women. Like, yes, she really ends up only being friends with people who love her. <laughs> no, she only ends up being friends with the Collins, basically, which is so relevant to her whole journey. 
And that starts when she immediately writes off Jessica and Angela for no reason. I agree. When you think about her wedding, like, inviting her human friends is very much, like, a last chore she has to do. She's like, look, I'm never seeing these guys again, so I'll give them one last shot. It makes it so much easier for her to abandon her whole previous life. So I think, like, plot-wise, it's convenient for her not to make any friends who aren't supernatural. But, like, when reading it realistically, it just feels cruel. And I feel like it does take away from our experience of the book. Right. Because I want to see her have friendships with these people Mm -hmm. and, like, connect with them. And instead, we only get to know the Cullens. Like, you know she's miserable. She says how much... Right. She's so miserable. And she doesn't attempt to make any connections. The only person she becomes obsessed with is the one person who's not being friendly to her. I would really like to read a fan fiction where it's Twilight reimagined as, like, a friendship story. Yes. Like, the romance is there, but it's lightly romantic, and she gets with Edward in the end, but it's mostly just about her learning to, like, build connections with other women. But would she? Well, that's why it's fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, if she were friends with Jessica and Angela... The whole thing would go completely differently. Oh, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I think it would be like in Mean Girls when the, like, gothy girl, Janice, is like, <laughs> okay, you need to become best friends with Regina and tell us every fucked up thing she says. Like, when Bella would still have, like, a weird thing going on with Edward. Oh, yeah. Because it's external. It's his problem. And then once he started talking to her, Bella would be like, Hey, my new friends, now that I know how to confide in women, this weird <laughs> thing is going on. And Jessica would be all over it. She'd be like, oh my god, talk exactly. to him, talk to him. She would push them together, for sure. That's true. Bella would still have that attraction, Edward would still come around, and Jessica would be cheering the whole time. Okay, yeah, but, but what I... about when Bella confides that Edward has been a stalking her? <laughs> And watching her sleep. Jessica would be really it. into that, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Angela, Angela would probably Angela be the be voice like, of hey, reason. maybe we should slow our roll right. here and examine why he feels the need to do that. <laughs> or Angela would be like, let's talk to your dad, the police chief, <laughs> and get some bars on your window to start with. <laughs> but, okay, this is actually really interesting. So, <laughs> Jessica is all the... All the girls that had, like, an insane reaction to reading Twilight and yeah. were like, I would love it if Edward watched me sleep. I want that. Like, that's Jessica. And all the ones that were like, guys, I think this book is really troubling. That's Angela. <laughs> I, so, like, we've missed out on having the reader element. Like, they could have been that. Ugh. Ah, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> all right, we'll rewrite it. Okay, I have my worst sentence. So, I mentioned just a second ago that Charlie is the police chief. Uh, Bella, at one point, says, Charlie left first, off to the police station that was his wife and family. (laughs) I just don't like that. (laughs) I don't think it's good. I don't like that either. Um, Bella, you are his actual family, and, And like, your mom left him (laughs) and took you. Like, yeah, he had to have something else. Obviously, Charlie is so invested in her life. Right. He's so happy she's home. I know, and, like, procured her a truck yeah all, has her, all her photos up, yeah of like of Renee 
Better yeah, than Renee. Renee. Yeah, still has a whole bunch of photos of Renee up. <laughs> like, clearly, he's still thinking about his other actual wife. Maya, you're right. Thank you. And I would like to say that I still do like Bella, even though right now... <laughs> <laughs> she's so easy to make fun of, but... It's the first chapter, though, too, I feel yes. like. We have plenty sure. more. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of Twilight Phase for our next episode we're going to be reading up through the end of chapter five so please do you know go read a lot of stuff happens um it's gonna be great if you want to follow us on social what what are we on social (laughs) oh okay uh we're twilight underscore phase on twitter and instagram and we are twilightphasepodcast.tumblr.com Last thing, please send us your thoughts on any previous episodes or things that you want us to discuss on upcoming episodes or yes. your best sentence, worst sentence. Yes. We are Twilight Phase Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Sure. <laughs> we are we are Twilight Phase Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. We love you, but in a healthy way. <laughs> nothing. The Twilight Universe and all characters belong only to Secondly Meyer. Please don't sue us. Audio editing by Maya Marlette. Cover image by Laura Shermer. Our theme music is written and performed by Adrian Loring.